Welcome to The Receptive Life. I'm Paul, and this is a series that's going to help us learn how to fight against the unholy trinity of the devil and the corrupted world that we live in, uh, as well as our own sinful flesh, uh, but also help us uh, learn how to defend ourselves with the work and the promises of Jesus and to receive all of the gifts that only the triune God can give to us. Now, we've talked about uh, the concept of the receptive life, that it's a a spiritual framework that uh, helps us um, think and act and live live out the Christian life in such a way that it's not about performance, right? Uh, climbing spiritual ladders to merit God's favor, but rather it's about uh, reception, receiving the person and work of Jesus and making use of him. So in a sense, uh, the receptive life uh, flips the ladders, flips the spiritual ladders, um, where we, we focus on what Christ has done for us and to get ourselves to those places where he has promised to do his work. And so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the backstory behind that. Um, so after um, you know the final year of high school, you have to declare uh, some type of major that you're going into. And so I walked across the stage in my high school uh, graduation ceremony and uh, didn't want to say exploratory. So I, I picked the most uh, the noblest uh, vocation I could think of at that time, which was uh, to be a doctor. And so I went off to school and I started the pre-med program and uh, I hit organic chemistry. And uh, if you really don't want to be a doctor and you're just a pretender, organic chemistry will be that class that will um, reveal that and will uh, wash you out of the program. So, you know, I did it to me. Uh, and so I floated through uh, four years of, um, of college. And these were uncertain times, you know, for me, confusing, full of, uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, those, uh, those young years trying to figure out what, what your role in life will be, your place in life, your vocation, um, you know, relationships, a family, all those thoughts. Um, and, and that was a kind of a a hard, hard period. But, but on campus, there were some um, Christian groups that would meet. Now, these Christian groups, in retrospect and thinking about it, they seem to be super spiritualized. Um, and uh, especially with this idea of the, the ladder, the spiritual ladder of performance. So there are, there are a lot of activities in terms of the spiritual life, you know, fasting and praying and reading scripture and memorizing scripture. I mean, all those things are wonderful. They're gifts from God. But the emphasis seemed to be, seemed to be on this idea of, you know, spiritual performance. And if you were ever to say miss uh, a day of reading or, um, you know, weren't faithful in terms of fasting, there was this sense that, of failure, and so, you know, that's kind of the uh, the mindset then that, you know, I was around there during some of those those years. At the end of those uh, those years, um, you know, I counted up all the credits. What would be the closest degree I could get, you know, and graduate? And it turned out to be classical languages, which is uh, Latin and Greek. And uh, that deg- degree really qualifies you to do two things. Um, you know, the first of which is to go back to school, 
Uh, and the second is to live in your parents' basement. And so that time I really didn't want to go back to school uh, for an advanced degree. So I, I moved back home, lived with my parents in their basement for a year and a half, worked my summer job, you know, now full-time job. And again, it was a time of, you know, confusion, uncertainty, um, didn't feel like I was making any progress in life. And my, my parents saw that. So after a year and a half, um, they did what they thought was best, which was a really good decision. Um, again, thinking about it, they gave me a 30 day notice and they said, well, you got 30 days and we just know one thing, you know, you're not going to be living here after 30 days. You can find an apartment of your own. You can go back to school. Um, but you're just not going to be in the basement and we do love you, but I think this is best for you. So I thought about it and I figured, you know, I didn't have really too many aspirations of getting some type of other job. And the one that I was, um, maybe didn't want to pursue that uh, further. So I said, well, why don't I go back to school and why don't I maybe just try the seminary? Now, you know, I didn't sense any deep call you know, to go to the seminary, no, you know, kind of profound event to, to go there. Perhaps it was really an option that I had. I figured I'd go try it, see, you know, what it was like. And, um, you know, maybe that would be some, some form of moving forward. So I went to seminary and the first class I took was a class called the spiritual formation of the pastor. And in that class, I, I remember that's when really the spiritual ladders got flipped for me. Uh, the, the spiritual framework went from performance to reception. And I think that's really the origin of the receptive life, uh, because in that in that first class, that you know, the spiritual formation of the pastor, uh, we we had this little book that we were assigned to read. It was a Doberstein's prayer book. I remember it was a little blue book. And in it was filled um, uh, daily readings from you know, all types of authors and pastors and theologians. Um, and I noted that there were three that really impacted me. Um, the first one was, um, I'll give you the fancy title. It was called, uh, by Martin Luther, Oratio Meditatio Tentatio a right way to study theology. And so that was Martin Luther's um, study of Psalm 119. The second one was um, a letter that Martin Luther had, had written to his barber. So imagine this, Martin Luther's getting his hair cut and his barber starts to ask him all types of questions about the spiritual life and how to pray. And so Martin Luther goes back and writes him a little letter and, and entitles it A Simple Way to Pray. And the third I noted was um, Martin Luther's uh, Small and Large Catechism. Now, I think all of these were really pivotal and influential for me because um, I was reading some of these pastors of, you know, hundreds of years before me, that seemed to have the accent of uh, the territory. Uh, you know, the accent being that they were natives, you know, of what they were talking about. Uh, they had been spiritually formed. They knew what it was like to, you know, be on that ladder of performance and then, you know, receive uh, all the gifts of Christ. And so these were, you could say, guides, and they provided, you know, a map of the territory for me and, you know, tools 
they were individuals who really had the accent of the territory. And so throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout my reading of, um, you know, this little Doberstein's prayer book, Martin Luther would talk about this idea of oratio meditatio tentatio, a right way to study theology. And so he read Psalm 119, and he noticed that there were these three, these three themes that weave their way through it. Um, prayer, meditation, and he called it uh, tentatio, soul struggle. Um, you know, the receptive life, he said, was made up of these things. Uh, and so Psalm 119, he pointed out, says things like this, verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. There's that prayer. God, you must open my eyes to understand the scriptures. He talked about meditation. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long, the psalmist says. Psalm 119, verse 97. And then tentatio. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. And so, uh, oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation on the scriptures, and uh, the daily troubles of life, soul struggle, he says, that forms or makes the theologian or the pastor. The one where he wrote this letter to his barber helped me understand that uh, it's a simple way to pray that he said. As a pastor, you're trying to help your people um, in clear and simple ways um, live out their Christian life. And so he wrote this little letter to his barber, and in it he put instructions, he says, you know, take some time and you pray through the Ten Commandments and you pray through the Creed and you learn to pray using the Lord's Prayer. And he basically set the, the, the foundation to say, let's just use the ABCs of the Christian faith, the, the foundation of the Christian faith, and use those daily exercises and have those daily exercises form you. And so in that little little book, that little letter, he uh, worked through that process. Then in his uh, small and large catechism, I noted that um, he had this he had this pastor's practical um, urgent heart. Um, and so right before writing these uh, you know the small catechism, Luther had made these visitations and he had, and wanted to know what the the state of affairs were in uh, in congregations with the pastors, and uh, after the visitations, he was just shook. He, in fact, he wrote in the preface the deplorable mess that I saw. He was heartbroken. He said the people don't know. They don't know the Ten Commandments. They don't know who God is. They don't know how to pray. They don't know whether their sins are forgiven. And so you know, he says. We have to do something about this. We, we have to um, help the people understand the ABCs, uh, the basics of the Christian faith. We have to help them, help families. It's a house book he wanted to create, not a church book, right? Uh, a book where in the, in the household, the head of the household could teach his family in clear and simple ways um, what it is that God desires, the Ten Commandments. Who is God? Uh, the creed, how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, how to know that your sins are forgiven. You know, uh, how do you make use of baptism and the office of the keys and, and the Lord's Supper? Uh, 
And uh, how do you live out your life in a uh, Christian calling uh, or vocation? And so there was li- these little sentences that kept popping out to me, one like this, and this is a paraphrase. But he would say, the devil is the master of 1,000 arts, um, but the triune God and his word are master of 100,000 more. In other words, he's very clear understanding that the devil is about his business, prowling around. But he says, we have far greater weapons. Uh, the devil is master of a 1,000 God and his word, master of a hundred thousand more. And he would talk about teaching, you know, teaching the devil to death. And he would talk about the daily exercises of the Christian faith. So, you know, now 30 years, um, you know, in the pastoral ministry, you know, I kind of see how these guides help me understand this spiritual framework, this way of thinking and acting a way of living out the Christian life, focusing on the simple ABCs of the Christian faith, right? Daily, weekly practices that focus on getting to the places where God has promised to do his work. And there receiving the person and the work of Jesus and making use of, of him. And so the receptive life then is, is that spiritual framework that I wanted to use first for myself but then also to share with you uh, that would help you fight against the unholy trinity, uh, that would help you defend yourself, yourself with the work and the promises of Jesus, and for you to rest and to receive all of the gifts that only the triune God can give to you. And so uh, that's a little bit about the the backstory. And um, what we'll do next is I'll give you... um, an example of the daily practice, a daily practice, a way that you can connect yourself, get yourself to those places where God has promised to do his work.